and Strong Nation Church, I wanna welcome you to church. Great to see you, you are looking so good. You're looking, you never look better than what you do right now. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you right now and say, you look good as well. Why don't you turn to the other person, give them a big sloppy kiss on the cheek. At least I know you're probably related to that person. <laughs> uh, if you're not, why not? Now it's great to have you in church and um, thank you worship team and what a great time of worship and I really do appreciate the team that comes every week and leads us in worship and is able to stream it live out into everyone. It's so great and we do appreciate everyone. Even the ones working at home right now, Shannon and Wes and all the team, thank you so much. And um, I'm actually informed that the government and the police are actually monitoring church live streams right now. And um, I wanna say welcome to those officials and thank you for your service. We're so glad to have you in church today. And I wanna take this opportunity to let you know that God loves you so much. So much that he would send his son into this world to die the most horrible death and raise again from the dead so you can live. And if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna ask you, would you consider that? Because without him, we're distant from God Without him, because of sin in our lives, we are distant from God and we're not able to have a friendship relationship or spend eternity with him because of our sin. But if we turn away from our sin, repent of it, the Bible says, and allow Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Saviour, we get to spend an eternity with him. Not in eternal torment, but great life after this life, but even during this life. Credible peace, credible love. Incredible joy. So I pray you enjoy this service today and I hope also that you would find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Amen, amen. Hey, you notice I'm wearing the uh, get used to different shirt. I'm a big fan of The Chosen. If you've not watched The Chosen TV series, I encourage you to watch it. Download the app. We can go on chosentv.com and um, it really inspires me. And I wore this shirt, it's my Father's Day present from a couple of weeks ago. And no, I have not been wearing it since then. But uh, I love this saying, get used to different, because it's a great indication of why Jesus came. He came and he changed everything. He changed the calendar. He ch the history is determined, the calendar is determined by the time they thought he actually arrived on earth. He changed everything, get used to different. He was coming and he came to establish his kingdom on earth. That's why he came, it's a different kingdom. And um, we've been sharing about that a lot this year. I believe the Lord said to me that this year, behold, all things are new. So I said, okay, God, and as we progress through the year, I felt the Lord say, I need you, Rick. I want you to preach about my kingdom, my new kingdom. This, it's different to the world. It's different to what it was before Jesus came. And we've been preaching along those lines and today I wanna to share a message with you. It's called The Promise of This New Kingdom. And a revelation I had just recently as I was reading the word and really uh, grabbed my heart and I just wanna share it with you. The original promise is from Genesis chapter 12, verses one to three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great or a strong nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the promise. 
God said to Abraham, do this, and I'm gonna give you land, a promised land. I'm gonna, your, your people, your, your descendants will, you know, throughout uh, the Old Testament, we see this promise reaffirmed and expanded, and you're gonna have more descendants than the stars in the sky, the sand on the sea, seashore. You'll be a blessing. I'm gonna give you a promised land. You know what? Abraham obeyed him. Left his home, went looking for that land and got led by God. And over the years, he had his own children. You have Isaac, who was the son of the promise. Isaac grew older as well. He had his sons, one of which was Jacob. And Jacob had an encounter with God and uh, had a wrestle with God. And during that wrestle, God changed his name to Israel, which means wrestler of God. That's a cool name when you think about it. He became Israel and he had himself 12 sons and from there comes the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, after a while, uh, one of those sons gets kicked out by his brothers, his name's Joseph. He ends up in Egypt and becomes the prime minister of Egypt. God just raises him up, becomes the great man, the man who made all the great decisions on behalf of Pharaoh. The great famine happens and Israel and all of his children and descendants find themselves going to Egypt for help, find their brother Joseph. And for the next 400 or so years, Israel is within Egypt. God blessed them so much that their descendants just kept multiplying and multiplying. And uh, so much so the Egyptians got very nervous how many Hebrews there were. So they made them slaves. And for 400 long years, they were slaves to Egypt. And I often think about those great pyramids that we look at and, and um, I'm wondering, were they built by those slaves? Maybe they were, amazing buildings. They could have been wondering, God, what's going on? We're meant to have this promise and here we are, slaves. <clears throat> God hears their cry. And you can read all this in Exodus and in the book of Exodus, it's amazing. And uh, God hears their cry and from within Pharaoh's palace, he raises up a young Hebrew man called Moses. And Moses becomes a man and he notices how the Hebrews were being oppressed and, and you ever see the first slavery being abolished? Well, that's the first we've seen of it being recorded as in, Gen as in Exodus. Moses delivers his people, all these plagues happen and God brought all these different plagues and these miracles kept happening and finally Pharaoh says, get out of here, take the Israelites with you. They leave. Pharaoh gets upset at them leaving. He reneges on the deal, so to speak, and he uh, chases them down with the army and there's the, the children of Israel, probably about three million of them, come to the Red Sea and the armies come, come behind them to kill them. The Israelites see God part the Red Sea and they walk through it, escaping. The army tries to follow them and the water's crushed down on the army and the army's gone. Israelites are set free from another miracle. From there, God leads the children of Israel through the desert with a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire through the night. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing that? Wow. He fed them with a thing called manna, I assume it was like a bread-like substance, that they just falls to the ground and they pick it up. The people even got upset with that because they got bored with it, it's just bread. What's... So God sent these Kentucky fried quail through, just came through the camp, they picked them up and ate these little chickens. God kept doing these miracles. Even so, <laughs> once 
They were thirsty and Moses gets a stick and hits the rock and the rock spills out all this Diet Pepsi so they could drink. The children of Israel saw so many miracles because they were God's people and God gave them a promise and a promised land. They're heading towards that promised land because they're now free from slavery. They're free from oppression. They've been delivered and they're on the way to the promised land. They come to the Jordan River and they send out 12 spies to go and see the land. It's the land of Canaan. And this is the land that God has given us. He's promised it to us and we're gonna get it. So, but let's send out the spies and see what we're dealing with. The spies come back with a very interesting report. The interesting report is that the land's full of giants, but it's a land full of milk and honey flowing everywhere. Milk and honey, wow, it's amazing. And the grapes, check these grapes out. Two guys with a big pole between their shoulders and grapes hanging off them, massive giant grapes. And they're like, wow, but there's giants. Oh no, what do we do? We're just like grasshoppers in their sight. How can we take them on? Out of the 12 spies, there were two. Jacob, I'm not Jacob. Joshua and Caleb, they said, hey, we can take on the giants. God is with us. Come on, let's go in there. But the other 10 said no, and Israel said no. And Moses said no. And they didn't go into the promised land. And for the next 40 years, the children of Israel who were given a promise, they had been delivered out of captivity but they hadn't yet received the promise and they chose to not enter it. And they walked around for the next 40 years until a generation died out. Only two of them got to go and see the promise later on, Joshua and Caleb. What a story. I encourage you to read that. It's the first five books of the Bible, of the Old Testament, you'll read that. Fascinating when you look at it. But it started me thinking, how many Christians live their lives like that? I know I have at times where I've been saved, I'm delivered, I'm no longer under the burden of God's law. Sin has no power on me anymore. But have I entered the promise? Have I? I'm not sure whether I always have. I'm not sure whether I've entered into the promise which I wanna identify as I believe Get used to different. Jesus changed things. It was no longer about the land anymore. It was about his kingdom. That was the promise now. Come into my kingdom. Come, I wanna rule over you like a loving king. <coughs> Excuse me. I wanna, I wanna rule over you lovingly and kindness and gentleness and grace. Just come into my kingdom. You see, I believe God's kingdom is simply defined by this. Jesus' kingdom is where and when Jesus rules. But I think most Christians, well, maybe not most, but a lot of Christians, and I know sometimes me, I live outside of that. There's times when Jesus has not ruled parts of my life. It's like the children of Israel roaming around in the desert, not yet going into the kingdom. We're saved, we've been delivered but we haven't yet entered that promise. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is 
walking along the seashore and he wants to share some parables, some stories with the people. So he sits in a boat, goes out from the shore and begins to share a parable, a story, an illustration. And uh, he, says, he, he, he talks about a guy, he says, there's this man who sowed seeds, threw them out. Some of those seeds fell on the hard path. Some came and fell amongst the shallow or the rocky soil. Some fell on the soil which had thorns in it and some fell on good soil. He said, the seed that fell on the path, well, it didn't take root at all. And the birds just came and took it away. The seed that fell in the shallow or the rocky ground, well, the roots went down a little bit, but it didn't go real deep. And as soon as the sun started to beat down on it, it withered and died. The seed that fell amongst the thorny ground, it grew, grew strong, but all these thorns came around it and eventually choked the plant and it died and it produced no fruit. But the seed that fell amongst the good soil, oh, it grew and it grew strong and produced 30, 60, 100 fold fruit. And it was a great story, and, uh, but the disciples didn't get it. There was something they thought, what? what? And we'll pick it up in verse 10. Then the disciples came, in Matthew 13, disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He wanted them to know, these disciples, those who are following, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to share with you the secrets, he's saying. Then he went on to explain himself what that parable meant. He said this in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, let's just stop there. That word understand is a word, I pronounce it in the Greek as best as I can, siniemi. And uh, it's a word which basically means understand, but it's also connected, according to the Strong's Concordance, connected with discerning and doing the preferred will of God. It's not just getting head knowledge. It's not just understanding, ah, now I get it. That's not what he's talking about. It's connected to discerning and doing the preferred will of God. And I'm wondering what he's saying here is this. You know, anyone who hears the word of God and does not understand it, as opposed to those who do understand it, because it's evidence they they are discerning of it and they do it. God's preferred will. So it's not just, oh yeah, I get it. No, 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 it's much deeper than that. It's an understanding which flows out of someone's life and that's what he's talking about here. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path, the hard path. Let's think about that for a minute. What's the hard path? How does that relate to someone? Receiving the word of the kingdom? Maybe it's like someone who wants to enter the promise but hasn't. And this is... Maybe why? This is what it looks like when you haven't entered the promise, when you haven't learned to understand or know and to do God's preferred will. What does it look like? Well, Jesus said it looks like 
when seeds fall along a path. Birds come and take it away. And all I can think about is a believer with a hardened heart. I've been like that. I think life hands us some pretty difficult situations sometimes, especially Christianity. It can hand you some really difficult situations. And if we're not careful what that does, it hardens our heart. And the problem with that is the promises of God, what God wants to do in our lives, the fruit doesn't even come into existence because the enemy comes and snatches away the good things out of our lives. You know, over my time, I've met several people who um, have had very unfortunate things happen to them, even in the church, very much so in the church. More than one time, several times I've sat and talked to a young man or even an older man who explained to me some things that should never have happened to them from a man of the cloth. And I feel for them, my heart breaks for them. And, and, but they're, they're saying to me, but I could never be involved in the church because of that. I could never be involved with God because of that. And what it is, is a result of a very hard heart. And I get it, I understand. But the problem with it is this, a heart that can't be hurt anymore can't feel the touch of love either. And these guys who say, oh, I can't, I can't accept it anymore because of this hurt, it's because this, this offence was done to them and they took it upon their heart. Do you know the Bible actually tells us in Proverbs 4, guard your heart with all diligence above all else because out of it flows all the issues of life. Guard it. Don't let it get hard. Don't let it be offended. You know, that word offence is very interesting. In the Greek, the word is scandalise, or we can use scandalise. And uh, the word offence actually means, whenever it's talked about in the Bible, to fall away or to stumble. You get offended and you will fall away and you'll stumble concerning the things of God. Yes, Things should never have happened to you, which might have happened to you. But your response is everything. Guard your heart above all else with all diligence. Because out of it flows all the issues of life. You know what? I've had plenty of things happen to me and plenty of things said about me which weren't true. Horrible things. And um, I've had to work really hard. And it's hurtful. But the hardest thing I've found is walking the journey of not being offended. I've had to try and walk that journey because offences, ah. The Bible actually says this, a brother offended is harder the wind than a city. I don't want to be that hardened heart. I will try and keep my heart soft all the time because I want to feel God's love. I want to accept every good thing about him. I know that bad things happen within the church and they shouldn't, but if that turns you off God, that's like hearing me play Mozart and think Mozart was terrible. Friend, let's keep our hearts soft. You know, just having a pastor's talk to my church right now and in our current situation with the Terrible lockdowns which are going on. It's very difficult. And a lot of things happening with, you know, medical procedures, vaccinations and things like that. What breaks my heart is when I see people divided within the church over this. We can't let our hearts get hard on this one. 
I believe the church is the hope of the world. I believe the love of Christ in us can be shown to, the love, to love the people, everyone around, the whole world. But if we're divided, if we've taken offence at that person's stance, if I don't agree with what they say and they are wrong, do you know what? It's more important to win your brother than to be right. It's more important to accept your sister than to prove her wrong. I believe we need to get really good at just loving people even though we disagree with them. Everyone's got freedom to have their opinions. Everyone's got their rights to do what they need to do. Let's not judge. Let's not be fearful. But let's be people. We just love anyway. I've got my opinions and they're pretty strong. But they don't have to be your opinion. That's okay. We can disagree. You don't need agreement for unity. Unity is really bound with love and a common love for Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And how blessed is it when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It's like the healing balm of God. It is like the dew of Hermon that pours upon those people all because we don't let our hearts get hardened and offended. It's like a path where the seeds can't get in and what God wants to give you, the word that he wants to share with you. And the enemy just takes them away. God wants to heal you and soften that heart if it's been offended. Today, why don't you just come to him? We're gonna be sharing communion after this service, or after this sermon. Why don't you allow God just to bring healing into your heart at that point? Let's read on. Matthew chapter 13, verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky or the shallow ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Woohoo! Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Ah, interesting, isn't it? I read this and I actually picture a spiritually immature life. I get saved and it's wonderful, it's amazing and ah, Jesus is my Lord, yay! But that's about as deep as it goes. Christianity is a journey of growing. Paul actually writes a letter to the Galatians and he says to them, how long will I work with you trying to form you into the image of Christ? 4.19. We are meant to be formed into the image of Christ and that what that does is enables roots to go deeper and deeper and deeper so that when the pressure or the heat comes on, we don't wither. When there's a really difficult situation, like maybe we're going through right now, we don't wither. Our faith stays strong. If not, if, if anything, it actually stays stronger and stronger than ever before. A couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Jesse shared a great message out of James chapter one, where he said, rejoice all those who have tribulation. Rejoice in those times because... It makes you more steadfast and it brings your spirituality into perfection. That's what it does. It makes you stronger. I don't agree with these preachers who don't believe in suffering for Christians. I think suffering is a vital part of growing. I don't think we're meant to avoid suffering. I think Christians actually should take advantage of a moment when we have to suffer and say, Do you know, this is a time for me to dig my roots deeper. My steadfast love of the Lord is never ceasing. 
My steadfast faith on him is, is always going to grow. My conviction of who he is is going to be stronger after this than what it was at the beginning. That's what Christianity is about. I've heard a lot of preachers preach along you know, the grace message. And trust me, I'm a guy who loves to wallow in God's grace. It's amazing, this grace. But there's more to it than just his grace. Yes, I walk with his grace all the time. But if that's all I do, it's just, oh, I've been forgiven by God when I shouldn't have been. That's amazing. No, 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 no. I have responsibilities as a Christian to grow, to grow in my love, to grow in my faith, to grow in my ability to help others. I grow to be more Christ-like. And that's what this is talking about. It's talking about a person who has failed to do that. They don't understand. They, they fully don't have a full comprehension of exactly what Jesus did for them. Oh, the price he paid. Oh my goodness. They don't understand what that means and what, how, how fortunate we are to have that forgiveness. When you dwell on that, in a moment of silence, one day just dwell on that. Allow yourself to be overcome by the acceptance that he's given you. All those things begin to take your roots deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, Jesus does. He actually promises persecution. He said, blessed are you if you're persecuted for my sakes. Well, thank you, Jesus. Yep, it's going to be hard. You're going to go through tough times. People aren't going to like your decision to follow me. The heat's going to come on. The sun's going to be bright. But you don't have to wither. If you're outside the kingdom, if, you're, if you haven't entered that promised land yet, you're going to be in the rocky ground and, and it's going to be very difficult. It is when you're walking in the kingdom, walking with Holy Spirit as he guides and directs you, that's when you become stronger and stronger. You know, again, our, our situation we're living in right now, Christians, there is no need to fear. Fear is never good unless it's a fear of God. And that's more of a reverence, a holiness. But if you're fearful right now, think about it. Is that what God would want for your life? His words to you are, fear not, for I am with you, the Lord says. Fear not. If you walk through the waters, I'll be there. If you walk through the flames, I'll be there. He's with you. You don't have to fear. But we get fearful. It's because we don't understand. Our roots aren't deep enough. I think a lot of the things that people have conflict with is a result of people being fearful. You don't need to be fearful. You don't need to be fearful. God is with you. You're fine. And you've also got a church around you that loves you, accepts you, wants to hug you, but will give you a, a, a cyber hug. You've got a pastors who love you. You don't need to fear. But the most important thing, you have the Holy Spirit who is with you. You don't have to fear. You see, when you have an understanding of his kingdom, you know that. In fact, you feel that. He's walking with you. Everyone else is fearful, but you're not because you know that he's got this. They're the seeds that only go shallow are the ones who go, oh no, persecution, I'm gonna fall away and no fruit in your life. Amen. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word 
But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. You know what, we live in a great time in history. We really do. My goodness, the technology, the fact that I can speak to all of you right now, live, it's incredible. The fact that Shannon Mann or Wes, I'm not sure who, is directing it from their home right now, that's incredible. That's, that's amazing. Our health that we have. Wait, we, we live at the best time ever. We really do. Communication skills. It's never been easier. We live in an amazing time. I don't think there's ever been a time like this. But likewise, I don't think there's ever been a time in history where we've had to rely on the material world in which we live or we choose to than ever before. And I think that's what this scripture is actually talking about. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. What God wants to do in your life. We get hold of materialism, we think that's more important and our priorities change. We think about the stuff we want to own or the stuff we want to do. We think about enjoyment and we think about fun and you know, oh, got to get back to having my sport. I want to see my sport. And they're all good things, but it's all a case of priorities. Where does Jesus sit in that? Does Jesus rule? Or does my bank balance rule? Or does my career rule? Or is education God to me? They're all good things. I'm not having a go at any of them. But who rules? That's what this is talking about. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth, deceitfulness of riches, they strangle you. Remember, Jesus actually said, seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. And all these things, talking about materialist things, will be given unto you. Oh, I've got to tell you, my life, that's been proven over and over and over again. It's amazing. He's done it before, he'll do it again. He keeps doing it. He loves us so much, he wants to give us our heart's desires. He says that several times. But we change our priorities sometimes. If we're not living in the kingdom, all of a sudden other things become more important. And we rely on those things. We rely on the approval of man. Oh, they won't be happy about me if I don't look this way or do that. Or, and what that is, it chokes you to a point where you, you can't walk in the kingdom. You can't walk in the promises of God. They just get choked. And God wants you to see a fruitful life, beautiful, fruitful life. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to someone who's just so frustrated. They want to serve God. They want God to be honoured in their life, but they're just too busy. I just shake my head sometimes and I think, really? Everyone has 24 hours a day. It's all about what we choose to place in those 24 hours. What we desire to give our hearts to. Does Jesus rule? You better smile at me because it's getting heavy. Oh, beautiful smiles, thank you. The things of this world will pass away, friend. The cheers of man aren't guaranteed forever. But God's love is. And his presence, he said, he'll never leave you ever. And we have a full eternity to live outside of this material world in which we live. 
Come on, Christians, we've got to be start thinking about this. What's important right now? Verse 23. As for what was sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word of God and understands it. Remember? Discerning and doing the preferred will of God. Understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold. In another, 60. another, 30. Understanding God. That's living the promise. That's living in the kingdom what it's all about. You know, just thinking back to the children of Israel again, at the Jordan, they sent the spies in, remember? And they come back and they say, oh man, this land is a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, that got my attention because honey is really cool. But I, at that moment, what I was thinking about, I believe the Lord spoke to me really clearly. And he says, Rick, it's a, it's a massive metaphor. So I'm thinking about milk and honey. This promise is flowing with milk and honey. First thing we think about is cow's milk, right? Because we're Westerners. Let's think about mother's milk for a moment. How important is mother's milk? Well, in the time when this was written, it was the nutrition that every child could get. It was the only one. It ensured that a baby would grow and grow strong. It got all of its um, uh, abilities to take away diseases came through that milk. It built up a great immune system through that milk. It actually um, formed a great uh, connection with the child and the mother. It actually enabled the child to be healthy and strong as it grew. Milk is an important thing if you want to think of it metaphorically. The kingdom of God's the same. And I started thinking about honey. Oh, everyone needs more honey. Land flowing with milk and honey. You think about honey. Honey, nothing bad can live in honey. It's one of the most pure substances on the planet. Honey never expires, never goes off. They found honey in a pharaoh's tomb, 3,000 years old, and they ate it. I thought they might have jarred it and kept it for history, but anyway. Honey heals infections. Honey preserves. Honey restores things. I started thinking about this land flowing with milk and honey and come forward to the kingdom in which we live, this new kingdom, this different kingdom. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Everything you need to flourish is in there. Everything you need to ward off diseases is in there. Everything you need to, to, to clean out your soul, to clean out your spirit, it's in there. Everything you need to give sustenance of life, it's in the kingdom. It's all there. It's flowing with milk and honey. That's why I think Jesus came. To say, hey, I've got a kingdom for you. I'd really love you to be part of it. Come on in. Let's not be like the children of Israel who received forgiveness or received deliverance, but came to a point where they refused to enter the promise. And what's it look like to not enter into the promise? Well, I think that's what the first three grounds of seed were like. A hardened heart, an immature Christian, and a Christianity based around materialism. The good soil is what we want. The good soil where things just grow 60, 30, 100-fold fruit. Have you noticed there's no straining in a fruit tree? 
that doesn't sit there and go, come on, I need more fruit that doesn't do that. It just grows. That's what the kingdom of God's like. There's no straining. I told you through the week that um, what I'd love to do is spend a time of communion with you. And uh, so I've got my communion here. If you've got yours, um, I'd like us to share communion. So if you want to get your elements ready, that would be great. I thought about this passage of scripture and how important it is for us to be walking in his kingdom. And um, I uh, thought about a time of communion where what this is all about. Jesus actually said, do this remembering me. And really, I think we could easily translate it, do this and remember why he came. Remember who he is, remember what he did, remember what he wants, us, wants to do in our lives. That's what I think it's about. He sat around with those who followed him and he said, and he took the cup and he took some bread. And he said, this here is my blood that's shed for you for the remission of sin. Remember me when you do this. Then he took the bread and he broke it and he says, this here represents my body that was broken for you. Within days, both those things had happened for him. He was whipped, beaten, pierced, blood shed everywhere. His body was ripped apart, broken. All for us, so that sin could be dealt with. Shame, we don't have the shame of sin anymore. Oh, but Rick, do you still sin? Yeah, I wish I didn't, but I do. But it's already covered. He's covered it all. The finished work of Christ, he's done it all. But I think it's more than that. I think it's to remember why he came. This kingdom that he has for us. He's not just our saviour, he's our Lord as well. He's our King as well. Where we can walk in his kingdom. Now, maybe as I was preaching this message, maybe it ruffled you a bit. Maybe your heart is a bit hardened and you need to do some forgiveness. Oh, forgiving is the hardest thing to do sometimes, but it's the most powerful thing you'll ever do. Jesus, what if my brother keeps offending me? What if he does it all the time? What about seven times? Jesus said, nah. 70 times seven, forgive him every time. You want to look theologically at what he meant there? Forgive how I forgive every time. That's what Jesus meant. Why don't you allow your heart to be softened and allow him to heal it? Because he's the healer. This is what this reminds us of. Maybe you realise your Christianity, you haven't grown much. You've, you've, you've welcomed salvation, but the roots aren't deep. Well, maybe it's a time to get close to him and say, Jesus, I want to know you more. Maybe you're going through a hard time right now. Maybe you are suffering. That's when you come to him and say, Holy Spirit, would you comfort me? I want to grow through this time. Maybe 
You're the Christian who has that issue with materialism and priorities and you've forgotten that the riches that have come into our lives are not for us, they're meant to go through us. Blessed to be a blessing. Yeah, it's good to have nice things, but I don't want those nice things to ever have me. God can take them whenever he wants because he's more important than that. Maybe you need to sit down and say, God, would you check my heart with this? I want my heart to have you as my priority. That's what I'd like us to do around this communion table today. Why? Because the world right now needs a very strong church. The world right now needs Christians in unity. The world right now, the entire world, needs the church to be strong with the love of God, the wisdom of God, not judgmental, not accusations, but love, acceptance and forgiveness. And we have those things coming fruitful out of our lives, 60, 30, 100 fold, when we're walking in the kingdom. That's why I'm preaching this message. I believe the church is going to rise over the next few years in a powerful, powerful way. The local church is the hope of the world. We want to help everyone. We need a strong church. Church, will you stand with me? Will you take these elements and say, Lord, I want to walk in your kingdom every day. Help me to walk it every day. Maybe you need to repent. That means to turn around. Maybe you're heading one way and God's saying, no, I don't want you to walk that way. Turn around. Acknowledge that you've done wrong. Say, God, I want to come back. That's what it's all about. Amen. So why don't we take the bread, take whatever you're eating in your hands and just break it. I'm going to pray over it. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. For you. Do this and remember to me. Let's take it. Jesus, I want to thank you. Your body was broken. Thank you for that. I receive wholeness because you were broken. Lord, I pray soften our hearts because you were broken. Lord, that you would help us to go deep in our roots because you were broken. And Lord, we would see you rise in our priorities as the Lord that you are, our King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. They took the cup. He said, this here represents my blood that was shed for you for the remission of sin. Sin has no power over you anymore. That's, that's the, where the invite comes into the kingdom, right there. Jesus actually said this, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. We can be born again today because of the forgiveness of sin. Sin has been defeated. Let's take it. Jesus, I want to thank you for your blood, your life-giving blood that was spilt for us. Ah, oh, it's amazing. Lord, I pray a new born again experience on every person. Jesus, you actually told Nicodemus that unless one is born of water and the Spirit, they can't enter your kingdom. Lord, we want to be born again, again today. Fresh, a new revelation 
like the wind. We don't know where it comes from, where it goes, but we know it's real. I pray that over several people, those who are crying out for it right now, a supernatural experience in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, anyone who'd be sick amongst us right now, Lord, I think about people right now who've been diagnosed with things, Lord, with none of you, diseases. Right now, I come against them in the name of Jesus. Your healing power over them, Lord, let it come right now. Lord, anyone who's battling mental illness right now, Lord, Lord, let your peace of God, let your peace just flow through them. Your peace which passes all understanding, let it flow right through them. Lord, I pray for miracles. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for households to be flooded with peace and joy today. Your healing power. Father, let your peace come. Let your love come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you are amazing as you are good looking, church. Love you heaps. I'm excited about where we're going. Remember, let's stand strong. Let's love one another. Why don't you give someone a call this week just to encourage them? That's what churches do. That's what you do when you're in the family. Call each other and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Drop them a note. Why don't you encourage one another? As long as it is today. Do not fear. Church, this is our moment. Let's stand. Let's be strong. You've got nothing to fear. In Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week. May you have an incredible time. Remember, church might be over. Oh, no, sorry, the service is over. But church continues. See ya.